Hey everybody, welcome to Trek in Time. This is the podcast that takes a look at Star Trek in order and in history. What I mean by that is we are taking a look at all of Star Trek in chronological order. So we're starting in Enterprise, which in the Trek universe are the oldest stories. And we're also taking a look at the world as it was at the time of the broadcast of Enterprise. So we're looking at 2002 right now, which if we hop into our Wayback Machine feels like it was about four centuries ago. <laughs> I'm just letting my soul take a deep breath. I'm holding on. Strap yourself in. <laughs> yeah. But who am I? Who is this holding on? It's me, Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. And with me is, as usual, my brother Matthew. Matt, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm okay. People may know Matt as the guru and chief inquisitor behind the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. So the intersection between storytelling and technology. In the Venn diagram that is Star Trek, well, Matt and I are kind of standing on either side of it. We got covered. <laughs> we try to anyway. Thank you so much to everybody for listening. And don't forget, there are ways you can directly support the podcast. You can visit trekintime.show. And there is a button there that allows you to throw coins at our head. And we appreciate every coin that hits us in the noggin. We also appreciate your listening, your subscribing, and your sharing us with your friends. All of that really does help. Matt, I understand you've got some listener comments from previous episodes. Yeah, there's one that came in recently for the episode from back in season one, episode 12, Silent Enemy, where the thumbnail we had was set your pineapples to stun. I feel this episode is at the heart of classic Trek minus the pineapple plot, confrontations with unknown entities while at a significant disadvantage, problem and solution, teamwork, etc. Reminds me of the original Trek balance of power or the movie Red October. And I, I like the bring up Red October. I hadn't even thought of that. Of, yeah. Two submarines underwater, just cat and mouse game with each other the entire movie. And it's really exciting and it was very thrilling. And even though we had nitpicks on that episode, I like that analogy of it's kind of like a submarine battle, this kind of slow give and take between the two of them. Yeah, I agree. That's a good comparison. And yeah. you know, as far as, as episodes like that, some of the best Trek is that model. Balance of Terror is one of my favorites where you end up with the two ships really kind of knowingly testing yeah. each other. And that's where yep. some of the best tension can come from in an episode like that. As for today, today we're going to be talking about the episode, The Communicator. And this is not about Abraham Lincoln. He was the great <laughs> communicator. Jeez. Matt, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of what this is about? This one's directly this is, from Wikipedia. It's brief, but I think it does very. a pretty good job. Reed and Archer retrieve a communicator left behind on an alien planet, but are captured in the process. Mm -hmm. Period. Period. <laughs> this episode was directed by James A. Contner, and the story was by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga with a teleplay by Andre Bormanis. So it's kind of a triumvirate there that we are accustomed to seeing in Enterprise. Andre Bormanis has written a teleplay of a number of these episodes, especially in season one. And Bremen and Braga continue to be the lead story development team, for better or worse, occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. This episode aired on November 13th, 2002, and it earned 4.4 million viewers, a little bit down from previous weeks. And what was the world like when this episode aired? Well, Matt, you were slow dancing to Underneath It All by No Doubt. 
And I have no doubt that you were slow dancing to that. Ba-doom-chi. Still am, Sean. Yes. Still am. Only in your heart, though, because your mm. knees are old. Yes. And at the movie theater, we were going to see 8 Mile, Eminem's semi-autobiographical film, which made $51 million this week. And on CSI Watch, well, CSI <laughs> pulled in again 29 million viewers leading TV viewership for the week. And in the news, well, on this day, November 13th, 2002, the headline I thought had an interesting, if inverse, relationship to this episode. The headline being, Arms Inspectors in Iraq to Deploy New Technology. In the four years since the United Nations weapons inspectors left Iraq, the digital revolution has made their gear smaller, lighter, faster, more precise, and easier to use. Millions of dollars in commercial and anti-terrorism funds are accelerating the rush of technology, opening new vistas for weapons sleuthing. Experts say the advances are giving the inspectors a technological edge in the hide-and-seek world of Iraqi weapons, as well as new leverage to disarm Iraq. And of course, spoiler, Iraq didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. Nope. But I thought the headline about inspectors going in with heightened technology was an interesting inverse relationship to the episode, given that this episode is about a nation that is on the brink of war, apparently. Yeah. But it's the advanced technology of these alien visitors, meaning the Enterprise crew. Their advanced technology is actually the problem, not the solution. So I actually liked the fact that they never in the entire episode get into too many details about, is there a war? Is there an impending war? It's, it's very just like side conversations, one-off sentences here and there that are giving you a little bit of more insight into like what's going on on this planet, but they never really go into it in detail, like for the viewer's benefit, like where it sometimes feels like the actor might as well turn to the camera and go. For those of you out there, we're at the brink of war with this other country, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. It's like, we never had that. I, and I like that. It was a very kind of subtle undercurrent of there's clearly a lot of tension here. You don't need to know the details. It's not important. It's not, that's the, that's the inciting incident to kind of get this whole thing going. It's not the real crux of the, the episode. Kind of like yeah. And the, and the crux of the episode, ultimately in this one, the planet is kind of a MacGuffin in this episode. Yep, totally. The totally. entire thrust of the episode is really focused on the Enterprise crew, Archer in particular, in trying to understand the philosophy around not only the prime directive, but the nuances of visiting planets that are not ready for first contact situations. And ultimately, in my notes, I refer to it's almost a Schrodinger's cat situation where mm -hmm. By going to the planet at all, they are deviating the natural course of that culture's evolution just by stepping foot there and becoming a known presence, even in the most minimal form. That ultimately is the big gotcha at the end of the episode. Before we get into the details of that ending, though, a quick summary of the plot itself. This episode, as Matt gave us the very, very, very succinct Wikipedia summary <laughs> of basically revolves around just misplacing a communicator. I, you mentioned that there's no clear depiction of what the tension is between the two nations on the planet. It seems to be very much a cold war situation. Yeah. 
where the military people that they come in contact with are very quick to assume that anybody nefarious is from this other nation. And the references are, it seems right out of the textbook of Cold War Movie 101. Oh, you must be from the Alliance. You're a spy. You're here to steal our secrets. You wanted to spy on our leader. All of that is largely forgettable, as is the entire setup of Reed misplacing his communicator, which they speculate could have dropped out of a pocket. It could have been stolen. There's no ultimate conclusion to that, which I actually was torn about. How did you feel about that element? There's many episodes where you, I, I kind of like the episode. I'm okay with it. And we've talked about like where you're like, oh, I, that completely like set me off and I just could not get into it. This episode is that for me. And I'm wondering if we're going to be reversed this week because I didn't like this episode, even though there were elements of it that were really well done because I couldn't get over the instigating the very first thing that sets this all off. Okay, what century were we in? And he misplaces a communicator and you can't locate it. I'm sorry. I can locate my iPhone anywhere in the world if I misplace it. Yeah. Previous episodes of Star Trek in the universe, they have done things where they've located somebody by their communicator. Mm -hmm. They've already established this in the Star Trek universe. So the fact that he loses a communicator is just utterly ridiculous. It's like they should have made it something else that he misplaced, something else that he lost that isn't a communicator. In that time, we have air tags and things you can put on suitcases now to locate it wherever it is in the world. It's ridiculous to think that they wouldn't have some way to zero in on some transmitter or something like that to right. figure out where it is immediately. And because of that, just the nonsense of what set it off, I just could not get behind this whole thing of, okay, we, we've, we've left this piece of technology behind that could really taint the evolution of this planet. So let's go down with more stuff that we can misplace and <laughs> do more bad stuff. Yeah. Because I don't want to get ahead of us, but this entire episode is just a series of horrible decisions. Like the worst decision making you could make, they make it every step of the process because they get captured. Now they have a phaser and they have a tricorder and they have more communicators. It's like, okay, great job, guys. Oh, and then they rip off their fake foreheads. And it's like, <laughs> oh, you're. You're not even from here. What's going yeah. on? And it's like, it was just like bad call after bad call after bad call. And then on the ship, you got the crew trying to rescue them. And what they're doing is just making it worse. And to jump to the end, there's an entire phaser battle with the cloaked Suleban ship rescuing everybody. And it was like, how is this making things better? You are making decisions that are just throwing things off the track so that your people can't die. And there's, there's other episodes of Star Trek, not the Enterprise, but other Star Trek universe episodes that deal with this exact issue. Like, uh, there's one of Next Generation where it's like, I think it was Data and uh, I can't remember what the other character was. They end up on this planet where they end up being, discovering Data and he can't remember who he is and this whole yeah. thing, it's kind of affecting the planet. It's like, that was such a well done episode about the same exact subject matter. And this mm -hmm. one was just so damn clunky and stupid. And I couldn't get past all the bad decision-making. It's like, you're smart people. What is going on with this? And yeah. it felt like really lazy storytelling and a subpar execution on something that has been done already in the past, which goes right back to my complaint about the Berman and Braga yeah. duo yeah. that this is their story it feels like they just went back to the old 
cue cards where they sat down at a table with let's pick some plot points from some random episodes and slap them together and we're done. Yeah. It did not feel good to me. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up the the normal dichotomy between you and me and and our responses to this show because I came in here kind of reminding myself like be upbeat about this. (laughs) I couldn't (laughs) because I can have two different conversations about this. I can have one about the philosophy behind the ultimate conclusion. Like I, I teased at the idea that by setting foot on a planet, you are in a precarious situation and I can understand the desire to explore. I can understand. I like the idea of an episode that revolves around wrestling with the ethics of, is it okay for us to even go to a planet? It is not prepared for first contact. Is that ethically defensible? That as an episode is a really great idea, but it only happens if the captain and Reed are going back to get their lost devices. And that debate, that conversation is happening between members of the crew aboard the Enterprise. Nobody on the Enterprise has that debate. They are simply talking about ways to rescue things. To me, this episode seemed very much like a Power Rangers episode. It was an excuse to get to a final battle that made no sense. Mm -hmm. It was, as you pointed out, the phaser battle stood in the way of how are you possibly helping the situation now? It's it. And as you pointed out, as I was beginning the episode, I'm like, okay, in the year 2002, nobody could have speculated that if I misplaced my phone, I could ask you to use your phone to locate it for me and that we'd be able to find it in five to 10 minutes. Nobody would have foreseen that day, but the makers of this show should have known things that they've even done within Enterprise. They have a exactly. transporter. That never even came up once. They, Not once. The, the fact that the transporter was introduced in the series at all, I think at this point, this episode d- demonstrates it was a terrible mistake mm-hmm. for them to have an, a transporter in the ship from the very first episode of the series means that they are shackled with expectations around what can be done and they are not ever really living up to it. There are too many times where a transporter would be a solution to the problem that they're faced with. This is one of those times. They would have been able to beam up the communicator. If they couldn't beam up the communicator, they could have beamed down the away team to go look for the communicator instead of you point out they took more tech with them. They took a shuttle. There's yeah. a shuttle parked in the woods. Yep. Oh, that'll never be found. Like it's photographed. So this is supposed to be teasing out like UFO stories, but it doesn't really go in that vein. There's been a Star Trek episode in the original series about that very thing, which was focused entirely on that. There were elements of Star Trek four that dealt with the idea of people running around with tech that they shouldn't have and people questioning what is this thing that movie in a comedic style did a better job with that idea than this episode does Mm -hmm. and i agree with you the decision making is terrible but it feels like it's anachronistic for all the characters none of the characters truly feel like it almost feels like this episode wasn't written it also doesn't feel like it was refined or edited or dwelled on by the actors i think the actors were doing the best they could with what was a very weak script and that's why you're left with having to kind of okay i can understand the philosophical questions posed at the end which i do like 
but I didn't like how we got there. And as you, as you said, yeah. read at the very beginning, he's the one person on that crew who they constantly seem to be pulling the rug out from underneath the character who they constantly have saying things like we have the rules are too loose on this ship. And then he's constantly the one who's screwing things up. And it's yes. like, it doesn't really jive with the character. It, it feels like for him in previous episodes to be the one to say like, we need to tighten these bolts and get things locked down. And a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit of a teaser for our next episode. He's doing that again in the next episode. Mm-hmm. This episode, he doesn't even know when he lost his communicator. And I was like, very conflicted about that as a storytelling moment. Like, is it better that we never find out how it was lost or would it have been better if it had been they're stopped at a security checkpoint and some security officer grabs it? Might that not have been a better way to set up this episode to literally never have them aboard the ship and discover yep. the missing item, but just start at the midpoint, start with them being found. Well, I mean, to kind of go through the plot really quick of how they, go back to this like little restaurant or bar to try to find the booth where they were sitting at where they thought it was lost and everybody's very suspicious of them because clearly they found it and they're trying to trap them they trap them they're put into basically a jail cell which by the way production clearly they were trying to save money those bars on the jail cell i don't know if you noticed i I made some out of also wood while i was watching the episode it was a lot of fun yeah it was it looked like if you just pushed on it just a little bit it would have snapped but they were in this jail cell and that's in, during the interrogations when they discover the fake foreheads, discover that they're genetically altered or aliens, and there's a debate back and forth. What I did like about this episode, and I'm going to give it some props here, one of the things I did like was there was a scene between the captain and Reed when they're in the jail cell, they've been sentenced to death, and they're waiting to be hung, and they're in there talking about it, and Reed is basically lamenting of like, this just isn't fair. That yeah. We're going to die for this. But then he turns to the captain and says, genuinely, I'm okay di- with, with dying for this. You know, I believe we're doing the right thing. This is okay. Yeah. And it was like this really nice conversation between, between the two of them saying, we need to do what's right. And if that means us dying, that's what it's going to be. And both of them are coming to terms with that. And you can tell Archer's struggling with it. But Reed yeah. is, it was just a very touching conversation. And there's moments like that between the two of them through the yep. entire episode. So I got to give props to those two actors, their lines and dialogue. Clearly, when they were writing this, they came up with some very wonderful moments that happen. But then every time you go back to the Enterprise, it's just like, get our guns out and pew, pew, pew. It's like, what are we going to yeah. do? It's like just crazy. It's like the fact that T'Pol wasn't talking about this. And you know, nobody else was talking about why that we can't just go rushing in there. They spent their time was, trying uh, to figure out their rescue plan instead of having that bigger yeah. debate. And I would have preferred the bigger debate because ultimately what they were doing was monkeying around with a Suliban ship and getting comedic value out of Trip accidentally cloaking his arm. Don't even get me started on the science behind that. That doesn't make any sense. I will say it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. But it was funny. It was was funny. funny. But that should have been that should have been an episode like Trip's third nipple. (laughs) You could have had But that episode episode, was good. I like that one. Right. But that's my point (laughs) is make an episode in which Trip won't leave the Sulavan ship alone. And he's trying to figure out how the cloaking technology works. 
and inadvertently and cloaks yeah. half of his body and part yeah. of the ship. And that make that the A storyline and then create a B storyline. Like maybe, you know, the some passing Sulaban ship detects the use of the technology and draws attention to the Enterprise in a way that, you know, you could reintroduce an episode around the time the Cold War, the time Cold War, the temporal Cold War. But the the way this is used is it's literally like a Deus Ex Machina machine on board the Mm -hmm. ship. Whenever they have a moment where they're like, oh, we need something special to do this thing. How about the Suliban ship? It's like they forget that they've got it for long stretches and then conveniently remember in moments like this. And they and never remember they about the transporter. Yeah. The transporter <laughs> yeah. is just out of sight, out of mind. I, I keep I in that moment when they were talking about like, but how are we going to get them back? I wanted there to be a shot with cricket noises in the background showing the transporter <laughs> filled with cobwebs. Just like. Yes. And maybe, you know, Commander O'Brien's <laughs> great grandfather standing there just like, um, I got nothing to do. It, ultimately. The elements of the episode that I thought stood out as plot points that made sense and could work, getting caught, getting revealed Mm -hmm. to be aliens, they've done that before in other episodes. They had one with Riker where something similar happened because of a riot and Riker's hurt and then the doctors at the hospital where they're treating Riker realize this isn't our species. Yeah. Yep. They have had episodes like the one you mentioned, Data has amnesia effectively and is working to try and figure out how to decontaminate a water source. And it's this whole storyline around people believing in ultimately almost like witchcraft. It's almost like this pre-industrial revolution society that is looking for the scapegoat of what's causing this illness. And they've had that episode. So if you're going to retell similar stories, I'm okay with that you know, happening. There's only so many plots that you can come up with for especially when at this point, this is now the fourth Trek iteration of just this era. We've had Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and now this, let alone the original series. And those other three of this era were literally back to back and in some cases overlapping. So for them to have a little bit of writing exhaustion around this, I'm like, I, I get it. I understand it. But if this was handed to me as a script and I was looking at it, I would say, well, you've got elements here that make sense, but you need to pull those up and forward and ditch a lot of the rest of it. Them getting caught, fine. Them getting revealed, fine. Them being put through a military tribunal and viewed as spies that need to be executed. Okay. I even like the element where Archer and Reed are on the fly trying to convince these people that they are from the opposing nation but they needed to, <laughs> no. they needed that to happen. They needed that to happen before they were revealed to be aliens. Okay, so here's my problem with that. Okay, one of the things that Star Trek does really well or tries to do really well in general is is that cerebral debate about you have like the Kobayashi Maru. You have no good choices. It's a no-win scenario. You have choice A, choice B, and maybe even a choice C, and they all suck. And none of them are gonna actually solve your problem. Each one of them is gonna create its own set of problems. What do you do? That's the situation they're in. And so they gave the captain in that scene, there's an element of it I like, the fact that they're struggling with this choice of, I have no good move here, what do I do? 
But the choice they came up with, they made it seem like we have two choices. We can tell them that we're aliens because they're thinking we're aliens. But if they're, they think we're aliens, that's going to contaminate the, their evolution worse yeah. than starting an actual war. It's like, how? No. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I would make the argument that saying that you're aliens is most likely going to potentially diffuse that. It has, yes, it could go bad, but there is a possible good path that could come out of that. But by saying we're spies, all you're doing is escalating their already really bad Cold War. Yeah. And so I was like, why? This is, this is what I was saying to you before about every decision they make is a horrible decision. And it just keeps compounding by the end of the episode to the point where it's ludicrous. Yeah. And it's like, wow, these people should not be commanding a ship at all. They need to go back to Earth and then restaff that entire ship because they're all idiots. I, when I, when that, I said that, that, I, that for I liked the element of suggesting they were from the other nation, my suggestion to that would be that should have taken place before they were accused of anything greater than just being but, strangers. Like but what them I was say- saying, we're travelers, that kind of thing. Like them using every excuse they could come up with on the fly. And if one of them made the excuse and, and it would be, you know, you could argue that it would be Reed because he's he's already made other mistakes in this episode. If Reed was to say to some one of these military people, like, look, we're from another place. And that starts the investigation down the path of, yes. oh, we think they're spies. And then the doctor walks in and says, they've got organs that don't make sense. Their blood is wrong. Like, this is all yeah. weird. Then they're in the position of saying, like, look, we told you we were from another place. We're not. We're from outer space. Then you deal with the military's balancing of like, do we believe one or the other? And they're both bad. Right. But as you said, right. in the moment, they leave this episode with a great ethical dilemma at the very end with Archer realizing we step foot on these planets. If there are life forms there, we're potentially screwing things up for them, regardless of how well we think things have gone. That's a great ethical question to leave an episode on. Yes. He never, ever owns, and I think in this episode he should have, the ending should have also included, oh my God, I think we put them on a faster path to war because we've now introduced the idea that the opposing army has super soldiers and higher tech. That's going to put this nation in a place where they're going to be scrambling to come up with better versions of weapons or maybe even first strike simply to avoid being quote overrun by an opposing force that has these better tech that's that's precisely what i'm getting at is yeah. i i did like the very end of the episode there's a conversation between archer and DePaul about this exact thing but it's a very skin deep conversation they never address what you just brought up yeah and it comes across as well i think we screwed up Oh, well, yeah, dun, dun, dun. even Roll to the credits. point where he makes was a joke. Just, yeah. He makes a joke when she says there's a star cluster up ahead and there's no one unha- there's no inhabited planets. And he's like, well, that's nice for a change. It's like now's not the time for you to be making jokes. That doesn't make sense within the context of what they've just yeah. been through. He and Reed nearly died and they ended up having to blow the lid off of their very existence and all the various tech. And as you said, Mistake after mistake, bad decision after bad decision, they show up in a cloaked ship that they don't even understand. 
For yes. them, the cloaked ship is advanced technology. So they are showing their cards that they don't even have to these, these people who are effectively, it looks like maybe 1950s level tech. Well, but going back to my, my point I was making about this AB choice that he had when he decided, you know what, I'm going to tell them that we're actually spies. There was a C choice. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Just d- don't even tell them anything. Just let them spin their own wheels and then you could have them go, no, I think, like the doctor could have said, you know what? I don't think he's aliens. These are probably genetic enhancements. You could have let them make it up yeah. and have them just remain quiet because even though remaining quiet is a bad call, yeah. it's the best of all their options. Yeah. And so it's like you could have had them do that and it would have at least shown some, I don't know, good thought. You would have, I, I think you would have also had an advantage if they decide they're going to go look for the communicator. Archer should have said clearly, we take no other tech with us. We go in completely free of anything. You have them go in, you have them discover the communicator and they pocket it and they try to leave. Now they're arrested. They're shown the communicator and they're asked, what is this? And now they just keep repeating the refrain of, we have no idea. We just found it. We just found exactly. it. Exactly. And Reed can keep saying like, okay, you caught me. I'm a thief. I, I steal things that aren't nailed down. I saw something. Bingo. I took something yes. because I thought I could sell it. I don't even know what it is. It looked valuable though. So then they yes. go round and round and round with this. Now they're examined by a doctor. Okay, they're no longer seen as being from that planet. There's a question mark over their heads. Are you from another place or are you from outer space? Do you know what this tech is? Is this tech indi- indicative of what the Alliance can do? And you keep, you keep just... Re- Revolving around that. While meanwhile, aboard the Enterprise, Trip could be saying, We've got to put together a team. We've got to do these things because we've lost contact with them. And DePaul could be making the argument of everything you're suggesting would make the situation worse. We, yeah. we, you could, need, you to, we need to either wait until we know definitively that they are in a place where we can get them, or we need to wait until we know definitively that they are not ever going to get out of there. And then we need to leave because we are in a position now where, th- where these people are going to be looking for us. And they even suggested something in the episode that did not come back. Again, made no sense. At one point, Sato is able to say, here's what their communications chatter is telling me. Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, I fully expected them to wrap up what the new scenario for this planet was. I expected her to say, radio chatter is showing they're now on heightened alert. And they are fully prepared for an invasion from the Alliance. That should have been the ultimate ending with Archer standing there saying, wow, I really stuck a finger in a hornet's nest. I really, I really screwed this up. You, you could have also had some really nice moments between, I, I don't want to rewrite the whole episode. We're doing a lot of rewriting here. Yeah. But the, between the captain and the head of the interrogators, the captain of the alien planet, yeah. you could have had not a rapport, but you could have had something that was happening between the two of them. Because if they just stuck their ground and like, we're thieves, we're travelers, and they just never gave up on that. And the captain could have been saying things like, we're not here to harm anybody. We're, we're, this is not what we're here for. You, you're yeah. misunderstanding why we're here, but we can't help you. We can't tell you what you want us to say. And the, the person saying, you're, you're, you're leaving me in no choice. I have to execute you because yeah. you've got to be from this other country. And it could have been, just this d- dichotomy of like the captain, the head of the alien place could have just basically been like looking a little torn about it, but like yeah. 
my hands are tied. I've got to do this. And the captain being like, I know you do. And I'm doing what I have to do. It could have been just kind of this unspoken thing that could have been building between the two of them. They did none of that. It's like two things that could have two things that could have come out of that kind of scenario. And you say you're hesitant to rewrite this. I'm not. I'm going to rewrite it right now. (laughs) Two things that could have come out of that that would have been really interesting would have been one, if the interrogator officer had as Archer continued to deny any knowledge of anything and Reed continued to deny any knowledge. If the interrogator had on their own picked up on which one of them was a commanding officer yep, and began to directly speak as officer to officer with Archer. And the other thing would have been in the vein of what you're talking about, the idea of both men having that unspoken conversation of, I can't do anything other than what this bad moment requires. Right. And both of them having that, it would have been very interesting if the interrogator had, after finding out about from the doctor, oh, these are potentially aliens. They don't have the right type of blood. They have extra organs we've never seen before. They're missing bones. If he had said something along the lines of, you know, my grandmother used to tell me stories that there were always rumors of visitors from other places. And wouldn't that be amazing? She used to say to me. And if this interrogator was teasing out the idea that there's an exit door available, if only they'll own up to not being from that planet. Mm-hmm. And you could be left then with the question mark of is the interrogator legitimately giving them an out or is he using it to set a trap to get them to admit to something? You could have had some very interesting moments between him and Archer as they play this kind of equals who are forced into an antagonistic position. And then the final sequence, have your laser battle gun, if you know, your laser gun battle, if you want to have it or not. Like to me, that's the most boring type of ending to an episode like this. Yes. But have it or not, but put these characters in positions to make difficult decisions where they know they're not going to fix the problem as opposed to what they did in this episode, which was literally every decision was viewed as, well, I wish we didn't have to do this, but I think this will fix it. And at no point did it. I really like that. I think that would have worked a hell of a lot better. And it made me think of the next generation episode. There are four lights. Yes. That episode is, is one of my favorite episodes of next generation. It's basically just two guys in a room from the vast majority of the episode and it's just good writing good acting and it deals with wrestles with really complex topics and it's very nuanced it's like you could have had something like that with this of reed and the captain being tortured or just being starved and beaten and just being coerced to admit that they work for this other country or whatever and they just never do it's like that would have been basically the battle of wills between the two yeah. would have been far more interesting than what they actually did here. But at the same time, I come back to, there's still elements of the episode I did like. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. I, even though I was frustrated as hell, I still, at the end of the day, was entertained. And right. so it's like, I, I am so conflicted about how I feel about this episode because there's elements I just despised to a level I have not felt on this entire series until this episode. But at the same time, there was redeeming qualities. So it's yeah. kind of like, 
I'm of, I'm of two minds on the episode. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, and I think the Bormanis at this point, as far as dialogue is concerned, he knows and the other writers know how these characters sound in conversation with each other. Trip and yeah. Mayweather have a very nice conversation prior to Trip accidentally you know, cloaking yeah. part of his body. Uh, yeah. and, and then afterward, when he has cloaked his arm, Mayweather says it could come in handy on date night. Like, and he, they give each other this look and Trip is just like, what the hell are you saying? He's like, if you want to steal some popcorn and it's this very cute little like <laughs> wink, wink, like, like, and normally that stuff stands out as like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have that kind of reference. But in that moment, it does seem like Mayweather is really kind of like turning the screw and like, like I'm, well, and, I'm teasing you in a way that, that, and a doctor. The doctor, the doctor too, the well. scene with the doctor yeah. where he's the trip is like, well, what am I supposed to do? And the doctor goes, a glove. yoink yeah. and holds up a glove. Like, yeah. here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, wait it out. There's a lot of that episode. Which is yeah. Fun. So I agree with you. For me, this is a largely plotting episode that ends up not having, it doesn't feel like Star Trek, not because the characters don't sound like themselves as much as it just felt unrefined and poorly sloppily put together and disappointing from that side while still presenting good, big ethical and philosophical questions that some Mm -hmm. of the better episodes of Star Trek present. And so I agree with you. I'm frustrated by that. And I'm curious, our listeners, do you agree? Is this episode one that you kind of had to force yourself through, or did you think that it was well done? Let us know. We appreciate your feedback. You can leave a comment in the comments directly below the video if you're watching this on YouTube, or you can find the contact information in the podcast description. You can reach out to us through that. Next time, we're going to be talking about the episode Singularity. Matt, I already know what this one's about, but I'm going to ask you, do you? Uh, I have honestly no clue what it's about, but I'm, I'm guessing it's about one thing. One thing. Yeah, it is. It's about one thing. One thing. Just one thing. Just one. <laughs> it's their only one minute episode. It's just like, <laughs> oh, that thing. Closing credits. And roll, roll credits. The episode is over before we even know it's been a long road getting from there to here. Oh, no, don't. Yes, I did. <laughs> don't. Don't. <laughs> before we sign off, is there anything you want to share with our listeners? What do you have coming up on your other channel? I have some really interesting episodes coming up. Probably about the time this episode's coming out, I have an episode on tiny houses, living mm-hmm. in a tiny house. Could you live in an 80 square foot room, Sean? Could you? Would you want to? 80 square feet. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an episode that talks all about tiny houses and why you might want to, but mm. uh, you have to watch and find out. As for me, please check out my website, seanfarrell.com. You'll find information about my books there, or you can just go directly to Amazon, Barnes Noble, or any of your local bookstores or even your public library. You can find out what books I have available on the website and then ask for them basically anywhere. You should be able to find them. And they're good. Oh. I'm biased, but they're good. Yes. <laughs> That's a totally biased opinion right there. Yes. If anybody has any comments or corrections, please do reach out. As I mentioned before, the contact information is in the podcast notes or on YouTube. You can just scroll beneath the video and leave a comment there. Please do remember to subscribe, to like the episode, and to share it with your friends, and to come back next time. We appreciate your listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.